Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation? High noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. We've got you for the next 120 minutes. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, rocking here as... <laughs> I just I can't believe this, Arthur Motes. It is June 24th. June 20th. How? Like, still feels like March in a lot of ways. How are we already at the end of June? Like... We just came back. Right. This makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense, but somehow it is June 24th. Somehow we're a week away from July, and we are still rolling along here. You guys already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next two hours, you can find us on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at DaBody52. DaBody. What up, Motsi? Man, vibing out, enjoying this beautiful day, man, in Pittsburgh. It is a gorgeous day today, and you know what? I got to give some shout-out. Uh, a shout out, I should say, to say the Pittsburgh. Okay. Some some shout out. Right. Some All shout. Right. Okay. I gotta give a shout out to the uh, the Pittsburgh weather. Without a doubt, bro. Because, man, like through the end of May and into mm-hmm. the first half of June, it was like rain, rain, rain mm-hmm. every day. And they've still been calling for rain every single day since. Yeah. But it's been like 75, 77 degrees, sunny, gorgeous. So, hey, who says Pittsburgh doesn't get good weather, Listen, baby? Listen, man, we've had Florida-style weather where even if it does rain, it'll rain hard for a, sh- a short span, and then it goes away, and then we're back good. Like, I've been enjoying it. I've been definitely enjoying it, especially on my little side of town. You know what I mean? You know, not not where the uh, the upper echelon, where the, the Eulers and all those big-timers stay. You know, my little humble abode on the south area. <laughs> we've been having some nice weather, so definitely enjoying it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. We've got a lot to get into to today on the pr- get into. T- I'm gonna put this out there right now. All right, I went to the dentist this morning, so I had a bunch of uh, you know poking and prodding and this and that in my mouth. So I, if I stumble over my words a few times today, please, please forgive me. Um, but a a jam packed show today, Motsi. Of course, it's offensive line day mm-hmm. on the program today. Who are the greatest in Steelers history? Who are the best in the AFC North right now? We'll get into that over the next two hours. It's a Wednesday, which means a couple things here on the program. Every day's a Wednesday. Every day's a Wednesday, and most importantly, we will have a Best of the West Wednesday. And speaking of that appointment that I had, dentist appointment this morning, our Best of the West Wednesday is the top five regular appointments you have to schedule in your life that you dread. Mm. Oh, man, we're going to have some fun with that Mm-mm-mm. one. Dentist might just be on the list, but we'll get to that in hour number two. Arthur Motes, before we get back into our continuation of, uh, of the theme that we've had running here now for the second week of settling these Steelers debates once and for all, a lot of the discussions that Steelers fans have amongst themselves, who's the best wide receiver in franchise history? Who's the best running back? Who was the best pass rusher? Ah, who do you like more? Mel Blunt, Troy Palomalu, Rod Woodson. Deion Sanders? Don- <laughs> Deion Sanders, Donnie Shell. We've been uh we've been having some fun, you know, getting into some just some classic Steelers fans debates. We will discuss offensive linemen today. But first, Motsi, there was some housekeeping that I wanted to get to with you. Uh I had 
I meant to ask you about this yesterday, you but did? we we got into a lot of uh, a lot of fun debate on the show yesterday, and even <laughs> you, some. You, you tried to turn the power grid on me yesterday. I did. I, it was my turn to turn the power grid on Mozi. Usually, it, it, it's the other way around. And see, the difference is this, man. Usually, you don't embrace being the villain. I started embracing <laughs> it's it. It's true. I was in here. I'm too fool. nice. I'm too nice hey. to be the villain. <laughs> I'm calling them out. You think you handle the truth? You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Did you order the code red? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was there with it, man. <laughs> so we had some fun on the show yesterday. One thing that we didn't get to discuss, Arthur Motes, was um, the signing, the official signing of the franchise tender, Dak Prescott, with the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. In your mind, are they going to get a long-term deal done? Is Dak going to hit free agency next year? Is this going to be maybe like a Lev Bell type situation where the can just keeps getting kicked down the road till eventually something happens? How do you feel? Yes, okay, Dak's going to be a Dallas Cowboy this season, but are you really confident at all about his long term future with the organization? In a traditional offseason, first off, in a traditional offseason, I don't think he signs this franchise tag. Hmm. I think they are able to negotiate a lot more, and he's able to. Uh, just show his leverage a lot more by not having to show up to some of the OTAs and some of the different things sure. where you can actually feel that pressure and is being talked about a lot more. This offseason, that changed drastically because of the virtual element of it. And then also, I think the uncertainty of the market. We talk about how because of the, the COVID-19 situation and the work stoppages and things like that, how it's going to potentially have a negative impact on the salary cap going forward. So... For Dak, he has to understand and take all those things into account that, man, I might not be able to get that type of deal this offseason. They might try to really come here and lowball me. Or, hmm. and, 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 I mean, even this offer that they had given him prior to him signing the tag where they were wanting five years and he only wanted four because, obviously, for the player, you, the shorter the, the contract, the better usually sure. in those type of deals because you're able to get your money and then get back to free agency before you get too old. So for Dak – that's not a realistic opportunity right now because you have to assume that they're not going to want to put out as many numbers because they could potentially be playing games with no fans. Mm-hmm. The TV deals and all these other things could be, uh, I guess, unique in the sense of how they could be altered because of the current circumstances. So for Dak, the safe bet is to go ahead and take that. Was it 30? Uh, oh my, was it 31? I'm going to say 31? Yeah, for the, 31 uh, for and the a half. Or yeah. 30, yeah, right about there. Yeah, so – at least he takes that, and, he, and that's guaranteed for him. And that's a big <laughs> pay bump for him big, coming yeah, from a fourth-round draft pick. Absolutely, because this is a guy who hasn't made more than $2 million in a season. And people will say, well, he's made more off the field. Well, imagine if he made that off the field along with the 20 or 30 that he was mm-hmm. supposed to be getting as a, a higher draft pick. He's looking at all the guys in his draft. He's looking at Carson Wentz, yeah, and he's looking at Jared Goff, and who, he's going, okay, I've accomplished just as much as those guys, and, and, and but those they've guys, made 10 times as much right. money as I have. And those guys are still getting those same type of endorsement money off the field, mm-hmm. but they also have the contract to back it up on the field and that's the difference why should he have to be taking you know the these type of hometown discounts and taking you know a lot less money in that regard I mean especially for a guy that came in the fourth round so for Dak I definitely understand the the thought process behind signing the contract in an offseason like this two things you really didn't want to have happen you didn't want to be a free agent no and you didn't want to have to worry about your contract situation mm-hmm. I mean just having conversations with guys here in Pittsburgh guys that decide to resign here versus going other places just because of that element especially if you weren't one of the first guys to go like that was a thought process because you had to say man the situation I'm going to be going into 
How am I going to be affected by that? Sure. What's going to be my learning curve? How long is it going to take for me to get up to speed? What's the length of the contract as well? Because if it's not a long contract in that sense, well, they don't have as much invested in me. And if I'm trying to give them a one-year audition and I don't have a chance to give them OTAs, training camp, full prep before a season, well, I cannot look as good as I could fully be. So that could be a real-life issue right there. So for Dak, man, like I said, that was one part of it. The other part, like I said, the contract element of it because of – the uncertainty with the money and how the salary cap will be going forward is better to just go ahead and say, you know what, let me get this guaranteed money and we'll wait and see what next year looks like. Because there's no guarantee that there's going to be a season right now. There's no guarantee that the money is going to be what it is right now. It's so much in flux right now that it's really, it doesn't make a lot of sense for a DAC to just hop on whatever offer they're trying to give him. When for him, he's been extremely durable. He's been extremely productive. He's been extremely consistent. He's won games. Yeah. Division titles, two of them. Absolutely. So his resume speaks for itself. He's going to get paid. It's just a matter of who's going to do the pay. Right. But he's going to get paid regardless if he has to stay here on a one-year on a franchise tag and if they franchise tag him again. I mean, you think about the two guys who played on the franchise tag prior to Dak were who? Kirk Cousins, who it worked out amazing for. The two years we did on a franchise tag, mm-hmm. the amount of money he made, and then the contract he signed to go to Minnesota. And then you look at Drew Brees and what he was able to do playing on a franchise tag and the contract that he got after that. So for Dak, you have to be looking at yourself like, yeah, I'm right in line. Bar- barring something catastrophic right, happening. Barring him falling off a cliff this right, year in like, terms of production. I'm going to get the same situation whether they're going to tag me again or I'm going to get a mega deal somewhere else. So either way, he's in a great position. Yeah, I think so too. It's It'll be interesting to see how Jerry Jones plays that and if we see any of Andy Dalton this year, how that factors in. It's Never a dull moment down in Cowboy Land, that's for sure. And you know, that's the way Jerry wants it anyway. That's exactly man. how he wants as it. As long as you're talking about Jerry, he doesn't care what the situation is, he's happy. <laughs> Motsi, I also wanted to pick your brain on this. Uh, Adam Crowley and I discussed this on the Monday. The Crow Man. The Crow Man. NFL.com put out uh, a list of 12 players whose team should never let them leave. Yes. Okay, with two caveats. Mm-hmm. One, that they have to be in their 20s still. Yeah. And two, that... You can only have one player at one position, Correct. so you couldn't say Bud and TJ. Right, you can't mm-hmm. you can't say Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Right. Um, so quarterback Patrick Mahomes, I I think is as yes. much as you and I both respect Lamar Jackson's game, I think that's a no brainer. Tight end George Kittle, probably another yep. no brainer. Both of those guys still on their rookie contracts, Mahomes and Kittle. Um, stay with the offense here. Guard Quentin Nelson. I like how you always want to stay with the offense. It's cool though. Go ahead. Well, listen, that's no, how no, they no, do the cool. things it's here. Cool. It's know? cool. I ain't tripping. Quentin Nelson, only two years in the league. You could argue he's already the best guard in football. I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, Ronnie Stanley from the Ravens, his fourth season in the books, has had a fantastic start through four years uh, in line for a payday here soon as well too at tackle. Saquon Barkley at running back. You got any beef with that one? Well. Because so far, right, I don't, I don't really have a, a beef with any of these. Yeah. Saquon, I'm not even saying I have a beef, but I think that's a legitimate and argument. And they still have to be on their rookie deal, you say, right? No, they just have to be in their 20s. Because, like, Michael Thomas is, is, is the wide receiver, and he's not on his rookie deal still. And they go Saquon. They go Saquon over Zeke, over Run McCaffrey, CMC. Right, yeah. over Kamara. Kamara. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. I mean, that Saquon's is. not the wrong answer, but that's no, no, no. just there's a but, lot of right, right answers. Right, right. I, I, see, for me personally, I would have rather win Zeke. I just thought like because Zeke has already have a new contract, 
mm-hmm. that that changes things for them. Again, there are only two caveats where they have to yeah. be in their twenties, and they uh, you can only have one guy at each position. Because for me, I personally feel that Zeke is more pivotal to the Cowboys' success than Saquon. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though yeah. Saquon's been balling out, think about the first years he balled out. That didn't change anything. What changed was when Daniel Jones came in there and started producing. Right. Whereas we've seen the Cowboys produce when Dak is playing well or when Dak is a bum. <laughs> the one constant is Zeke. Yeah. Zeke is the, is, is, the star, is the straw that stirs that drink, in the words of my main man, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> Five-year, $100 million extension for Michael Thomas. Listen, if we want to argue best wide receiver in the NFL, that's a, that's a wide-open conversation. But I think if you're talking best young wide receiver in the NFL – that's well, Michael well, Thomas. I was like, what defines young again? Right. Well, I guess right. We could say like Julio is technically not old, yeah. but but I think by again by their parameters, a guy that you kind of want to keep in the franchise forever. I mean, Michael because Thomas, there is a, another receiver that has been garnering interest from two Ooh. teams that was just reported yesterday. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, they were inquiring about 20, him. He's not in his 20s anymore. He's only 31. <laughs> he's only 31. What are we talking about? That's all I'm saying. Man, hey, man. Hey. But let's get to the defensive side of the football. <laughs> oh, now you want to go defense. Okay. <laughs> Outside linebacker, TJ Watt. Big Watt. Uh, over the past three seasons in the NFL, no team has more sacks than your picks. Berg. Still is. Mm-hmm. Um, T.J. Watt owns more than 20% of those sacks, along with Bud Dupree and mm-hmm. Cam Hayward. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously giving Hargrave some credit last year and to it as well. We hope he's available this whole season. Watt's in line for a lucrative extension, Motsi. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I don't see that happening. And I'm excited to see him make the list because I think there's some other ways they could have gone there. But put some respect yes, on our man T.J.'s absolutely. name. Aaron Donald, even though he's pushing that age 30, he's still the defensive tackle listed, and I have no problem with that. Uh, the best of his era, what, two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year? Yes, indeed. Could, could easily win another one of those before he's said and done. Yeah, the, the Rams should not let him go anywhere. Danielle Hunter listed as the defensive end. He's a guy that you and I talked about when we were doing our all-under 25 no, team. absolutely. He could ball. He can ball, and he's a guy who didn't really start playing football until well into his teens. He could get even better. Uh, I think that's a surprising answer, you know, maybe over like a Miles Garrett, obviously. But yeah. uh, but that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not shocking. I think Hunter deserves to be in that conversation. Your boy, Tredavis White Woo! at cornerback. I like it. And Darius Leonard gets the bar over both of our boys. Mm. Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I guess that's another one. Well, you well, could argue I was either say, way. Wait but a minute, it's... though, because Darius Leonard before Tremaine was my boy. That's true. So either <laughs> way, I'm good. <laughs> that's true. I'm good either way. We're a big fan of both of those guys. It just one went to the to the team I started out in. That's it. And then it's safety Arthur Motes, mm-hmm. Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers of the six defensive positions here have two of those six guys. I like it. I do too, Arthur Motes. And I, I tell you what, I think that. You know, we on, what, it would have been last week, I think on Thursday or yeah. Wednesday or Thursday, we did quarterback day, and we talked a lot about Ben and Bradshaw and how, man, you better appreciate Ben because who knows, you never know. Look at how long it was from Bradshaw to Ben before you got another franchise-type Hall of Fame quarterback. I feel more confident that the Steelers won't have to go through a down period, a dead area, if they can find their next quarterback because – you and I have also talked about this, right? Having a quarterback on a rookie contract that can win you games is like the cheat code. It's the way to beat Absolutely. the salary cap Absolutely. in the NFL nowadays. 
if you can continue to build this young defense around guys like Minka and TJ Watt, and we hope Devin Bush, and even a Steven Nelson, who's still only 27 years old, Edmonds as well, too, in the secondary. So many young guys on that defense. If you can hit on your next quarterback, not even to the tune of a future Hall of Famer. Just a good quarterback. But just a good, a, a Dak Prescott-type quarterback, yes. right? Man, the Steelers, maybe maybe that post-Ben era won't be as, as depressing as we all think it is. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wishful thinking. No, no, no. I, I think that this defense can be really good past Ben. I think they That's will be good past Ben. I think the biggest thing that what you're talking about, it the the Dak model worked because they had Zeke. So you mm. have to make sure you have that secure. Because think about before they had Amari Cooper, they had an old Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. They had an old Jason Witten. Mm-hmm. They had uh, uh what, what's the young uh, Cole uh, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley yeah. is in Buffalo now. Yep. yep. So they weren't necessarily stacked at receiver. They were they had names, but they were older. Right. But the constant was Zeke. In that Zeke offensive was, line. Absolutely. Too. Zeke in the offensive line. Yeah. And the model was we're gonna give you a heavy dose of Zeke. Zeke's gonna get twenty to thirty touches a game and we're gonna play action off of him, dump him the ball sometimes, a lot of safe timed on, on schedule throws, right. play action stuff that's gonna protect Dak. And ultimately their defense was really good, and that's how that model worked for them and how it's been working for them. You see how many guys on the defense side of the ball have gotten paid. Because they had a stacked defense. Mm-hmm. Now, I think for that to work here in Pittsburgh, number one, they would have to make sure they have that running game secure, whether it's James Conner or if it's a couple years from now, you have somebody else in there. Some unknown. Right. Yeah. Like, I think that's going to be the main portion of that because you still would have a Chase Claypool yeah. on the roster. It's true. You're still going to have a Deontay Johnston. Both of those guys on Ricky deals. You're still going to have a James Washington who – well, actually, no, by then James would probably be sure. on a second deal and sure. things like that. We hope Kevin Dotson can emerge Correct. and be a starting guard. And, and it would depend on, on what, what Juju, what his contract yep. would look like as well. So you have some uncertainties. But overall, the running back model is where it's at. When you talk about – because even if you draft a guy in the first round, they still cost. Oh, yeah. First-round quarterbacks cost. The yeah. model is the Russell Wilsons, the the Dak Prescott's, where you're able to get these guys later in the draft. Because mm-hmm. a, a top ten – I mean, you think Carson Wentz wasn't getting paid? Carson oh, no. Wentz. he was making seven, eight, absolutely. nine million dollars Absolutely, so he was year, still yeah. costing. Like, it was different for Mahomes because Mahomes is at the end of the right. first or round. Right, or Lamar Jackson. Correct. Yeah. Those are the models. That's different. That's where you want. But when you got these guys' top ten picks, top five picks – They're still making – Yeah, they're going to make their money. They're not making thirty-some million dollars, yeah, but, but they're, they're still making, they're making some a nice chunk of change. Yeah, uh, it's oh man, you know, Motsi. The more and more we dig into this stuff, because we, you know, again, don't have real tangible football happening in front of us. It's a it's a lot to consider here. Certainly, when we come back on the other side, we're going to consider who is the greatest offensive lineman in Pittsburgh Steelers history. We got some tweets about it already. You know, we will get to those. Keep them rolling in. It's offensive lineman day here on the program inside the Electric Factory. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Offensive line day here on the program. Who are the greatest in Pittsburgh Steelers history? Motsi, let's get right into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I will say this has been 
for different reasons, but by far, I think the hardest one of these that we've done so far. Like, yesterday was difficult because you're splitting hairs between Hall of Famer on top of Hall of Famer on top of Hall of Famer. This one's more difficult because, at least for those other guys, right, in other positions, we can point to some of the numbers. We can point Correct. to some of the stats. Like, you can point, hey, man, Franco Harris, 90 fumbles. That's something you need to keep an <laughs> eye on, right? We could talk about how with Ben and Bradshaw, Ben averages. Time out, time out. I like how anybody that listens to this show now. They're always going to associate Franco Harris with 90 fumbles. Yes. Because we keep saying it every Including time. Including Adam Crowley. We say it every yeah, time Adam now. Crowley's it's like, so I bad, bro. Adam Crowley's like, I can't. He's like, that's my, my my thoughts of Franco have been forever changed. By like, like we literally say it all the time. And I'm like, yo, Franco, 90 fumbles. Like, God, dog. What if we, we? If we want to argue about pass rushers, right, we can look at the stats and see who had more sacks, who had more QB hits, more mm-hmm. tackles for loss, all those type of things. With offensive line, Mozi, it's difficult. Because, I mean, yeah, you have the all pros and things like that, but there's no statistic that equates to touchdowns or yards or tackles or sacks. But we'll do our best today on the program, Motsi. All right. And that's all we ask. That's all we ask for. I'm very confident about my top five, top six here. Okay. And then after that, I'm kind of shooting from the hip. Okay. (laughs) So let's start at the top here, Arthur Motes. I, you know, we've gotten some tweets already. There's been some people that have discussed some other names. But for me, the number one name on the list has to be Mike Webster. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers had never won a Super Bowl until Mike Webster got there. By the time he was done, they had four. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a nine-time Pro Bowler. He's a five-time All-Pro. That 74 draft class was just insane with Webster, Swan, Stallworth, and Jack Lambert. You kidding me? Um, he's not only... The greatest Steelers center ever. He's arguably one of the greatest in NFL history. Um, and Big Ben, barring another significant injury, is going to break the record this year. But as it stands now, nobody has ever played more games in the black and gold than Mike Webster. Again, I think Ben's only like four, five, six games away. So he will, in all likelihood, break that before he uh, before he's done. He Mike Webster had 220 games for the Steelers. Ben, I think, is at like 116, 114, okay. something like that. Um, they called him Iron Mike because he always played through injury. He, he, he never missed starts. Obviously, his legacy goes just beyond the football field, right, with being the first football player, former football player, to be diagnosed with CTE. We can talk talent. That's obviously we've had those discussions, different conversation. But if the question is who's the greatest offensive lineman in Pittsburgh Steelers history, for me it's Mike Webster. And then you start the conversation afterwards. Man, there's some really good centers. The Pittsburgh Dude. Steelers organization <laughs> has just been blessed with outstanding centers. They know how to get centers. That's the <laughs> But at Arthur Motes, at number two, I'm going to go Alan Fanica before I get to some of these centers. A Super Bowl champion, six-time All-Pro. Uh, you talk to some of the guys that have been covering the Steelers for a long time. They'll tell you a lot about, I believe it was the 2002 season. Someone can correct me on Twitter if I'm off by a year. There was a season where Alan Fanica had to move to tackle. The Steelers yes, had so many injuries. Yes. Alan Fanica had to move to tackle, and people were saying he was arguably the best tackle in the NFL that season. This guy, I think, changed in a lot of ways the perception of the guard position, what you can do, how you can dominate from the interior of the defensive line. 158 games played, 10 seasons in Pittsburgh. You see that we all talk about the 2005 Super Bowl, right? That Willie Parker run, still the longest run in Super Bowl history. Just watch Alan Fanica spring Willie Parker on that block. Alan Fanica to me, Motsi, this is the credit that I'll give him. 
Very rarely did an offensive lineman, especially to me at a young age, his play jump off the screen. Yes. Alan Fanica jumped off the screen. I've got him at number two. At number three, all right, we're going to rattle off some centers here. Dermani, Dermani Dawson is number three, and it's insane because in so many other organizations, Dermani Dawson would be hands down, like run away the greatest offensive lineman, the greatest close. center yeah. in franchise history. Six-time All-Pro, he's a Hall of Famer, 184 games played for the Steelers in 13 seasons. Um, he anchored an offensive line, right, that just some insane numbers uh, that Barry Foster and Jerome Bettis put up behind that offensive line. 13-year career, seven Pro Bowls, six All-Pros. Of course, part of the Steelers team that made it to the Super Bowl in 95. And I think most importantly, Motsi, man, you never want to be the guy that follows a legend, right? <laughs> right. We talk about that a lot. Tough. We talk about that a lot. Like, people sometimes ask me, like, oh, do you think, you know, you think you and Adam Crowley could ever replace Stan Saverin and Mark Madden? Hey, slow your roll, all right? Let somebody come in between those oh, two yeah. and then me and Adam Crowley. That's tough. But Dermani Dawson took the reins from Mike Webster and ran with it. He's number three for me on my list. Number four, these next three guys, it's, it's kind of tough for me to separate. I think particularly the next two, but I go another center, Marquise Pouncey. Mm, um, okay. Immediate impact every single year, 10 seasons. He's been in the league, two-time All-Pro, 100 and – well, no, sorry. i, I got to update the numbers here for, for, for games for the Steelers. But it's very rare for me, Motsi. And I think we talked about this when we were talking about Pouncey a couple weeks ago in a different discussion it is, it's so rare that a guy can come into the league in their rookie season already be argued as the, the best, best in the league. Yes. Uh, that was Pouncey. That, to me, puts him in rare air, and that, to me, gives him the edge over the guy that I have at number five, David DeCastro, another two-time All-Pro in his own right. David DeCastro came into the NFL in 2012, became a starter in 2013, and has ran with it ever since. Um Another guy like Pouncey that is a potential future Hall of Famer. Another guy that I think all Steelers fans can agree we want these guys to stick around for a long time. DeCastro with Pouncey, has, they've, they've been the glue. They've been the, the heart of that offensive line that we've rightfully said has been one of the best uh, last year, maybe notwithstanding, right, in right. the National Football League over the last five or so years. I've got DeCastro at five. And then another center, Jeff Hardings. At six, <laughs> maybe underappreciated in this regard, right? He only yes, played six yes. seasons in Pittsburgh, but he's a Super Bowl champion. He's an All Pro, and again, when you're behind, when you've got names like Webster and Dawson and mm -hmm. Pouncey, I get how a lot of times it can be easy for Jeff Hardings to get kind of lost in that shuffle there. But man, it, he had Marvell Smith and Alan Fanica with him, and and they were a big part of the reason why Willie Parker was able to have so much success in the backfield. I got Hardings at six. Now, Motsi, this is where... I'm ready to hear this. this is I where need I'm, seven through ten. I need to know what you I'm, got. This is where I'm shooting from the hip, okay? I mean, there's there's a lot of names that I could have gone with here. I don't know. So what I did, right, was I, I went back and I read from people that were actually covering the NFL when these guys were playing. I read three or four different opinion pieces. Here's what I came up with. Number seven, I've got Marvell Smith. All right, two-time two Super Bowl champion. I know on that much, okay. much criticized 2,000 Steelers offensive line, but he was kind of the steadying point on that. I, I remember Ben Roethlisberger standing up on the podium, right, in, in early 2009, a offensive line. Who's laughing now? 
nine seasons, 111 games, a pro bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion. I put Marvell Smith at seven. At number eight, I don't know if it's because I know him and I like him. Okay, or okay. Just because that's I like what people where you're going here. Me, I got our guy touch you. All right, shout out, at shout out. Number eight. <laughs> <laughs> Two-time Pro Bowler back when that really mattered. Yes, sir. Um, Tunchin, too, and, and I talk about this with him and Wolf. They had the tough task of following up those 70s-era Steelers. But Barry Foster had a lot of success behind Tunch, almost having – he had the all-time team record, almost 1,700 rushing yards yes. in a season. I, I know, too, Tunch, and maybe, again, I'm, I'm giving him credit because of what I know. NFL teams for a long time – the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Steelers, the Giants would bring Tunch in during the offseason to have mm-hmm. him teach technique to their offensive linemen, to their young players. I mean, I remember watching him work with Al. Yes. Al was probably going into his second year here in Pittsburgh. That's how and respected he is. Yes. I mean, you talk about a technician, man. And you saw the the jump that Al made once he officially took over right. for Beecham right. as a starting left tackle. I mean, it was phenomenal watching him grow in that regard, but mainly because of the work that Tunch was putting in with him. I, I, I think that he he would probably tell you this. He wasn't the most athletic or physically gifted mm. guy, but he, he was undersized. He had a 13 yeah. year, two time Pro Bowl NFL career because of how good he was as a technician, how much he was devoted to his craft. I've got Tunch at number eight. At number nine, I've got John Kolb, uh, the the mm, left tackle mm. anchor of those great 70s Steelers teams. I thought about putting him ahead of Tunch. But it's just hard for me, again, to evaluate the team success versus the individual yes. success. Thirteen. It's funny. They both had 13 seasons, 177 games played for the Steelers. Uh, Kolb, four-time Super Bowl champion. I've got him at number nine. And then number 10 here, man, I could have gone a lot of guys, right? Uh, my recency bias, I was thinking about guys like Max Starks, guys like Willie Colon, guys like Ramon Foster, um, even a, a, another old-timer guy like John Nisby. But I went with... Jerry Mullins, Arthur Motes, another one of the 70s guys, along with Kolb. Kolb kind of anchored the left side of the line. Mullins was the right side next to Webster. Right guard for four Super Bowl victories, uh, nine seasons, 124 games. And a guy that when I was doing a lot of reading and research last night, Franco Harris gave this guy a ton of credit for his success. You know, fumbles, none, withstanding. (laughs) So that was enough for me. Uh, Jerry Uh, Mullins at 10. But then, like I said, my honorable mentions were Max Starks, Willie Colon, and John Nisby. So, again, real quick, starting from the top, Mike Webster, Alan Fanica, Dermarni Dawson, Pouncey, DeCastro. That's the top five. At six, I've got Hardings, which, by the way, four centers in the top six. Yes. Marvell Smith, our guy Tunch, John Kolb, and Jerry Mullins. Arthur Motes, what say you? I'm not going to lie. I felt like you was looking at my list because <laughs> we got a lot of similarities. A okay. lot of people are in the exact same places. Okay. Maybe one or two flips here or there, but ultimately our list is going to be very, very similar. So, I also have six centers. I mean, five centers in my top six. Now, my top, Mike Webster. Had to go Webby, man, at number one. Can't go wrong with that. You listen to guys like Tunch speak about him. You listen to guys like Damarney speak about him. You listen to guys like Wolf speak about him. I mean, everybody that talked about Mike Webster talked about how he was just a legendary center, changed the game ahead of his time, and just dominated. Never won a Super Bowl before he got there. Never. Dominated and little little backstory that five two. Yeah, I used to wear five two my whole life since high school. Every year, it didn't matter where I was playing, I had fifty two on. That's why it's the body fifty two. Absolutely, had it. You know, like I said, all through high school, college, my first four years in Buffalo, I 
come here. And they're like, we don't give that number out. And I was like, that number I was like huh? What, what do you mean? It's 52. What do you? And then they told me why. And I said, ah, okay, I got it I now. Got it. That's I got why it. no one's wearing 75 either, Yeah, right? yeah. I was like, okay, okay, I got it. All right, got you. Yeah, so, man, with that being said, though, man, without a doubt, Webster, without a doubt, is the number one steals off in Salam. And now at number two, this is where we flip-flop. Okay. You went Fanica. I did. I go Damani Dawson here, okay. man. Damani, they talked about how what he was able to do from an athletic standpoint at that center position, some of the pulling and things like that, that was unheard of. I mean, we talk about how Pouncey does that now, and we're like, oh. Right. And Pouncey does it in a way that's crazy. Right. We'll get to that, too. But they said Damani was one of the first guys doing that. was that. unheard of in the 90s. Yeah, like yeah. like just seeing him being able to pull around from the center position, that type of athleticism that he possessed. For me, that's why he's my number two guy. And the fact that he did it for so long. It wasn't like he had a short one- or two-year run. Like, he was dominant. And like you said, he's coming in right after who? After Mike the Webster. guy we just gave all this praise for. Right. I mean, that's like going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's I crazy. Mean, it doesn't happen like crazy, that very often. Crazy, man. So that's why I have Demarty at number two. At number three, I have Alan Fanica, the guy who should be a Hall of Famer, but has I been know. on the Come. wait list forever. Come on, man. I mean, it's absurd. Like you said, man, you talk about a guy that played guard, but then when they moved him out to tackle, he was the best tackle. Like, you talk about a guy with versus the season, right, right. Not even with an offseason of prep. Like, like we, we got into this a little bit. Well, actually, we didn't get into this, man, but when you're talking about going from guard to tackle, it is so different. I mean, you're talking about the footwork for a guard, your parallel in terms of your stance, right? Then when you go to tackle, you have a staggered stance, one foot in front of the other, the others, you know, three feet back, or, or excuse me, three inches back, so you have a lot more space in there and stuff like that. You talk about the difference in mentality, who you're working with, how you're threatened. At guard, you got a center and a tackle on, on both sides of you, so you're covered, but you got to deal with bigger body people, more power. You move out to tackle, man, you're on an island. You're on an island you're against some island. speedy athletic dudes. Yes. And then just the communication, knowing where to go, knowing the plays, the technique and how it changes at the different positions, man. So to see Allen be able to dominate at both is why I have him at third. Like I said, if Damani, if if we would have saw somebody pulling from the center position before Damani, then Damani takes a step back. But because we never saw that, I like he it. was ahead of his time. He was I innovative. Like and number four, I got my, my former teammate, man, my 2010 draft class hey, brethren. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Lakeland in the building, Polk County stand up. <laughs> Marquise Pouncey, man. Come on, baby. Pouncey has been one of the most dominant centers since he stepped foot on the NFL stage, man. Let's be real about it. As soon as he got drafted, he played his first couple of games. It was clear that he was the best center in the league. And from personal experiences playing against him multiple times, the most challenging thing about Pouncey is how athletic he is. Like, people don't realize the thing. Like, when you see, when we would see Le'Veon, uh, Le'Veon Bell running these, uh, making these runs on the outside, and you're seeing Pouncey downfield blocking for him from the center position, like, that does not happen. That's not normal. No, it's not. You talk about a technician. You talk about a guy who has the nastiness. You talk about a guy that is super smart, literally knows every position on that offense line, what they should be doing, their technique, how to communicate with them, sets the protections. I mean, dude. The brains of the operation. It's crazy. Like, people just see him and, and, and just think, like, oh, man, he's a, he's a bruiser. He's a rough guy. You know, this is the perception. He's one of the most intelligent guys you'll come across, man, both on and off the field. So when I look at Pouncey, man, that's why I have him at number four, man. Dude is a flat-out monster yeah, on the field, man. Can't have him any lower than four. Future Hall of Famer, man. I'm calling it. Future I Hall agree. of Famer. I agree. 
Then the next man at number five, man, we got to go with his running mate, Double D, Mr. <laughs> DeCastro. Come on, baby, let's be real. When 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 they drafted DeCastro right after Pouncey, man, and they put them two guys together, it's been magic. And then they got Lev Bell. It's been magic. <laughs> oh, buddy. It's been magic. Let's be real about it. I mean, we talk about Quentin Nelson. That's how DeCastro was when he came in, though. He was talking yeah, about in that yeah. same vein. Which is, oh, wait, no, Quentin Nelson's Notre Dame. I was going to say correct, same Notre school, Dame, but no, no, you're no. right, Notre Dame and Stanford. Yep. But when you look at DeCastro, man, consistently all pro, consistently pro bowler, consistently dominant at that guard position. And he's another guy. I mean, you. I mean, he went to Stanford, let's be real. You know, I don't need to talk about his education. Right. <laughs> let's, see, let's, let's see, everybody. That I, speaks for itself. I, I, I don't want to, you know, commit blasphemous Activities on his on his airways talking about a guy from Stanford's education is if I went to Stanford, I went to James Madison. Now I take pride in my education, but let's be real, James, you and Stanford is a little different, a little, little different, a little different. Stanford's one of those, it's one yeah. of those schools, man. Absolutely, man. So when you factor in all those things, man, for me, you, I mean, because the thing is this, I don't need to go down the list of their accolades to all pros and pro because you did that, right? And it speaks for themselves. Yep. Like we know DeCastro, we know what he is. And that's why I have him at five next. He's a beast. I like it. So through top five, all, we just Don't had two had, three Yeah, switch. we said two switch. Yep. Now, at number six, I think here we had this identical two. I'll go Jeff Hardings yep. as well right here. Yep. Yeah, so that was, I mean, no-brainer for me. Obviously, you look at his uh, his accolades and what he was able to accomplish here in Pittsburgh, how dominant he was. And that's the thing. For the Steelers in the mid-2000s that have had the bad rep about offensive line play, They've had some amazing offensive linemen. I know, in there. right? Some like, individuals. Is, like, individually, they've had some monsters. Yeah. Like, that's the part that always gets me. I'm like, dude, we, I remember in Buffalo, we used to laugh and joke about the Steelers' offensive line. And then even when I was in college, like, everybody would know, like, oh, man, they protecting Big Ben. That's why he's got to be Big yeah, Ben. That's why he's getting sacked all yeah. the time. <laughs> but you look at some of these guys, and you're just like, that's insane. Jeff Hardings could ball. Could ball. Yeah. Like it's nuts, man. He's nuts. one. Of the, he's one of the most underrated Stealers of without all time. Without a doubt, and I get man. It. He was only here for six years, so yeah. that plays into it. But I think six years is also a big enough sample size. Oh, without a doubt. We man. talk about Kevin Green. That's twice as long as Kevin yeah, Green. No was question, here. man. Six years. Think about this, man. Six years. <laughs> six years anywhere is long. That's longer than you're in college. Yeah, that's true. Think about that, and that's with a redshirt season. That's true. Six years is a long time. I mean, four years on a team is a long time. Let's be real about it. So, yeah, well, him, Alan Fanica, yeah. Marvell Smith. Absolutely, man. So for for me, Jeff Harden is definitely is at six. At number seven, I went your route, man. I went with the guy that I know, the guy that I call a good <laughs> friend, a guy that's a brother to us on Steel the Nation Radio, man, doing his thing. Mr. Tunch Oka, man, he's such a technician, bro. Such a technician. He is. I, I've been trying to think of like who we could compare him to. Yeah. I don't put it like this. From a technique standpoint, the, and, and maybe like is, is Heinz well, no, Ward no. a bad example? Oh, you're talking about Steeler wise. I yeah, was thinking, yeah, 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 oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Oh, you were talking, yeah. You're talking like other offensive, other offensive linemen, linemen yeah, who yeah. would be like him. But no, Steeler wise. But guys who just didn't have the most natural talent and athleticism, mm. but made the most of it. Like we've talked about this before. Like Hines was never really the most talented wide receiver on the Steelers roster. Plax was more talented. Santonio was more talented. AB was more talented. But my thing is, when we rate talent, you rate speed. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like right. for me, yeah. I would say, man, what he possessed in physicality That's and true. his build is more That's talented true. than a little guy running fast. That's true. That, yeah, now, that was, by you. Yeah. So that's the only reason I think of that, and I think about his route running. So I'm like, uh, I mean, Plax, Plax, my dog, seven five seven. You know how I feel about my guys, mm-hmm. but he, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say he was more talented. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like he I, just I thought, had a different skill. Right. He he his he was specialized in a different set of skills. 
in terms of the jump ball, the deep ball, like that's him. The red zone. Threat. Yeah, you, you you throw it up in the corner, he's coming down with it. But when you're talking about a guy giving me crossroads, you talk about a guy that's going to be impactful in the running game. I look at Hines and I'm like, that's what he specializes in. He's a tone setter. He really is. He's a tone setter. But then I look at A.B. and I'm like, okay, that's probably the, the master craftsman in terms of being able to run any route on the route tree and run after catch. But A.B.'s not – I mean, let's be real. He, he, he can get in your way. He's like a chihuahua, <laughs> though. You know what I mean? Like, he's aggressive. He's barking a lot. He, he's kind of bothering you, but it, it's okay into that route while I come over there and maul that little thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> but but for me, man, Tunch – dude, when we talk about Tunch, man, it's just his skill set, man. Mm-hmm. Like you said, even though he wasn't the most athletically gifted guy, and he'll say this, he said it numerous times, from a fundamental standpoint. His hand placement. Top-notch, man. Cool. Top-notch. And he talks about, I mean, you hear him talk about some of his stories where, yeah, when I didn't have the technique and I did this wrong, I man, got I got off blasted. Yeah. <laughs> so you always have a certain level of respect for guys like that, man, Absolutely. that are able to talk about themselves in that regard, man. So for me, yeah, that's why I have Tunch at number seven. Okay. Now, at number eight, you went Marvell Smith here. Mm-hmm. I jumped back in the center well. Ooh. To the tune of Bill Walsh. Ooh. Played in the 50s. Got an all-pro in there, two Pro Bowls. Now, I'm going to be real with you. I'm not going to sit here and stand up here and act like I know a lot about Bill Walsh because, hey, I was born in 88, baby. 88. All right? 88. I don't have a clue. I was born in 91. So, But the one thing I will say is this, man. When I checked him out, when I did the research on him, people say high things about him. People say he was a beast when he played. And for me, man, I'm like, you know what, Bill? I like that. I like that. And, and, and the thing, too, is this, man. When I think about a guy who was playing back then, because obviously they're not having 16 game season back then. They sure. got they playing 12 games. Sure, it's a little different. It surely is. But man, he had what six year career, man, and still was able to do his name, man. Still, like I said, be able to get those type of that type of recognition, those pro type baller, of accolades. All pro, absolutely. In that era, man. So for me, I'm like, yes. If you're kicking butt like that, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter which area you're in. I'm rolling with you. You you get the nine for my list. I dig it. Yes, indeed. Now I wish I was alive in the fifties just so I can experience that a little bit. The drive-in movies a little bit better too. It's been more authentic <laughs> and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Coca Cola with the glass bottle and everything. But but that's either, that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. All right. So that's why we'll build watch. The Pittsburgh right? Pirates were good back then. Yeah yeah. You know what I mean? So so that's that's what I want with them. That's what I want with them. I'm sorry. I all like right? it. All I right? like it. It's not very complicated for me. You want to make my list? If I don't really know you like that, just have some more pros by your name. Listen, I told you, <laughs> you after, get the the top, the after the top six, I'm not doing yeah. any finger pointing. Yeah, you get the nod. You get the nod. It's that simple. <laughs> Now, a guy that I do know, and I do know very well, my 5'5 five, five brethren. Yes, sir. That's who makes number nine on my list. Mm. I think the exact same spot you had him. <laughs> my man, John Cole, yes, man. Yes, sir. Let's be real, man. World's strongest man. Mr. Cove himself, yep. man. I said, dude, anytime I think of Cove and I think about this dude was a beast while he was playing. Mm-hmm. World strong, man. Yep. And then said, you know what? I'm done playing. I'm going to go ahead and coach y'all as a strip coach. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What? Yep. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. He he was a different breed. And the fact he had the 5-5 five, five on his chest, man, that always touched my heart, man. They, they don't make him like that anymore. Not at all, man. But you talk <laughs> about the accolades, man. He, he has the hardware. Yep. He has it. He's a dude that when, when you talk to the guys that played with him during his era, man, they all say the same thing in terms of him being number one, crazy intelligent, number two, strong, and, and also no nonsense, man. Does not take any crap. When it's time to play, it's time to play. He's out here going for blood. I love that. I love that. Not me the too. buddy, buddy. Don't, don't, don't high-five me and shake my hand between every snap. No, no, no. I want you to hit him in the mouth. And that's what Kobe was going to give you. Awesome dude, man. Awesome. Awesome I like dude, it. Man. I like it. And he had a funny story, too, man. I had a chance to talk to him in the past. He was telling me about <laughs> when he first got drafted, they were doing all the rookie hazing and stuff, right? 
making guys get up after singing and everything sure, like that. Sure. And he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not singing. I don't do it. And then he tells me how uh, Joe Green was late to training camp, but then Joe Green comes in there and they try to make Joe sing. And Joe proceeds to, you know, do his thing and not sing and <laughs> says some some things here or there. And from there, he's like, I never had to sing after that. And I was just so happy because he was like, I wasn't doing that. But when Joe came up and did what he did, it made it that much easier. They ain't even look at us anymore. I was like, you know what? I like you, Joe. I, I like you a lot. Because, you know, so, sometimes you, you want the rookie to say something. But then it's cool to see a rookie stand up. And it's cool when Joe Green backs your, sure. your, your mentality sure. as well. Man. So sure. I was like, you know what? I like that, baby. So that's why John gets my number nine on my list. I like it. And then at number 10. I dig back into the well, man. I go way, way back to the 30s. Ooh. To the 30s. Two-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, this cat right here. Byron Gentry. Ooh. Yes, sir. Only played three years here in Pittsburgh. You know, very short-lived career. Very short, 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 short career. But was very, very productive. You telling me, man, you only played three years. 11-game seasons. And of those three years, two of them you was pro bowl, one time you was all pro, you kicking some serious butt. So for me, man, you could be the 10th person on my list. And like I said, I think about the 30s, I'm like, man, it was probably, it was some crazy history going on in the 30s, too. Yeah. Crazy, crazy times, man. Yeah. So I like that, man. Anyway, the USC, so fight on, man. Go Trojans. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So there's our top 10s. Pretty similar through the first uh, seven there, and then a little different towards the end. Uh, get your tweets in. Let us know where we're right, right where we're wrong. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I what? told you. Like, what? I, I dentist this morning. I'm going to be learning my words all day. Uh, when we come back here, Arthur Motes, I found some poll results from last year. Mm, okay. You know, kind of like what we did yesterday where we put out on the Steelers Nation poll best defensive back in Steelers history. Yes. We asked that same question about the centers last mm. year. I don't know if you remember this, and we did a poll about it. While we, we were, did. I we believe we might have been. It might have been during OTAs or yes, minicamp. We did. So I went back and found the results of that poll. We'll discuss that Ooh, on the other okay. side as we wrap up the first hour. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, inside the Electric Factory. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the first hour of the program here, Arthur Motes, we had a poll that, you know, had the people talking yesterday about best defensive back in Pittsburgh Steelers history. And when I was looking at those results last night, I was reminded that we uh, did this last year with Centers. So here's what happened, right? I'm remembering now. You and I, last year, we did our all-time Steelers team, mm-hmm. right, during the offseason on one of those days where we were looking for content, looking for debates. And the position, I think, that we kind of argued most was center. So on that day in 2019, we put up a poll on the Steelers Nation radio account. Who is the starting center on your all-time Steelers team with four options? Mike Webster, Jumani Dawson, Mike pa- Marquise Pouncey, and Jeff Harding's Arthur Motes. Uh, not surprising here. Uh, Mike Webster won with 38%, but it was it was pretty tight. 38% of the vote was enough for Mike Webster to win. Uh, on his tails, Pouncey had 31% of the vote. Dawson, 27% of the vote. And poor Jeff Harding's only 3% mm. of the vote. I... 
for me, Pouncey or Dawson, there's man, that's an interesting debate because Dramani Dawson, like you alluded to, and, and we've gotten some tweets about this already. I don't think a, a lot of people remember how great he was, it, especially in the sense of how he changed the perception of the center position with his athleticism. I, I think, too, a lot of you know uh, old-school Steelers fans, a lot of Steelers fans that have witnessed all the eras right. will tell you that the run game was never better than it was in the 90s with Dermani leading the way. Oh, Motsi, I tell you what, it's – I mean th- – that's insane. It, it really is. Webster, Hardings, Pouncey, Dawson, those names. We've been so fortunate in that regard. It's interesting, though. I think I think for a lot of Steelers fans, more Steelers fans, I feel like, have said Webster or Dawson than Pouncey. Yes. Um, but Pouncey's ahead in this poll because I think a lot of the stuff like we talked about with well, yeah, the our generation, thing, yeah. our generation, they, they remember Pouncey. They're on social media more often, but... 694 votes, Motsi. Mike Mike Webster gets the uh, gets the nod the nod uh, over Pouncey and Dawson taking the other line's share of the votes. I like a little blast from the past. I like that. I do too. Although you know what, uh, poor Jeff Hardings with only three percent of the vote. Come on, man. Maybe Jeff don't have social media. Maybe that's what's going on here. But it's funny too because a lot of people reply. Like again, most of the answers have been from the from the reply tweets have been Webster. Or Dawson. And, like, they always say it's Webster and it's not even close. Or yeah, it's Jamani it's Dawson, Dawson and it's not even close. <laughs> that's my that's my so polarizing here, yeah, man. Yeah, that, that's my favorite dynamic uh, here, too. Um, we'll get into some of the individual responses here, but but keep those hey, why, why is it never close, but it's always close? Help me understand that. I know. Like, how's prom and it's never close? <laughs> like, how's it? I, I don't understand it's prime, but it's never close. It's not even close. I guess it just depends on how you look at it, right? Mozi, the, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? And I got the best eye. <laughs> that you do. <laughs> that you do. Speaking of which, do eye appointments make it in the next hour? Uh, mm. 60 minutes in the books here, 60 to go. When we come back, Motes and I will talk about best offensive linemen in the Steelers division currently. That, of course, is the AFC North. There'll be some Steelers on that list, some Ravens on that list. And maybe even a brownie on that list. We'll we'll Whoa. see. We'll also get to your tweets, and we will have best of the West Wednesday regular appointments. The worst power ranking of the worst regular appointments we all have to schedule in our lives. We'll get to all of that in hour number two. Sixty in the books, sixty to go. Come back with us on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Groovy. Well, me too. Hour number two, Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes. That's me. Steelers Blitz. On SNR, do do I need to be do I need to be honest with the people right now? You sure you want to do that? Peel back the curtain a little bit. Uh oh, give them a little bit of that honesty. I mean, Motes, you and I we like to be honest here on the program, all right? So I think it's time for a little honesty. If I'm a little distracted over the next segment or two, 
It's because we now have the Manchester United game uh -oh. on in the studio, all right? So don't blame me. I'm just a product of my environment. <laughs> Come on, you red devils. <laughs> Rocking and rolling here in hour number two. You know we will get to your tweets in this hour, so get them in now while you can. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Are the most, let's talk a little offensive lines in the AFC North, shall we? Let's dance. We're going to rank them. You know, I'm not very good at math, but uh, four teams, four offensive lines. Something like that. One, two, three, four. Divided by three. <laughs> Is I, there a remainder in there? You got to carry the carry the one, divide by <sighs> to the seventh power. It's like 3.145. Oh, that's pop, I'm tripping. <laughs> I think it's a, uh, a two-horse race for the crown. Um, okay. I think it's the Ravens or the Steelers. With all uh, The Browns are much improved on the offensive line. We'll talk about that. I think it's the Ravens or the Steelers. What makes it really a debate for me is the departure of one Marshall Yanda from the Ravens. Yeah, buddy. I mean, if he's still there with Ronnie Stanley, who Oof. you and I both agree is the Oof. best young tackle in football. Nice. And I it hurts mean, me to say that. He's nice. I mean, DJ Fluker's a good player. Orlando Brown Jr.'s a good player. You would like a DJ Fluker. I mean, he's no fluke. Uh, but the, uh, the, you and listen, go. I said he was a nice player, okay? I didn't say he was a great player. You want to crown him? Then crown him. <laughs> um, so it's tough for me. If if Yonda was still playing, I think I would go Ravens 1, Steelers 2. Mm -hmm. I also, too, right, have to consider last year. Very because much. I think the Steelers do match with in terms of individual talent with the Ravens, but the Steelers' offensive line had a down year last year. Now, man, you lose some in B.J. Finney. You, you bring in a new body in Stefan Wisniewski. Stefan. I know. <laughs> I'm so bad I'm going to say, let's, let's not disrespect That's why a lot of times I just go with the last name. Because well, I used to butcher the last name. Not for a everybody's long time got Arthur here. or Wesley, you know. Not all these right. names are You're straightforward right. as me right. and you, Motsi. Um, that's why we call them Chooks, a core four as well, too, yes. right? Uh, but I think it's it's a very one A one B type situation. But as it stands right now, and I do think this could change so you, so you early into the, the Browns, season. No, love. no, the Browns are the clear cut to me uh, ahead of the Bengals. The clear cut kind of third position there, and like I said, much much improved over they where they made were last some year. Major upgrades. <laughs> they did. But do you want to talk about the Browns real quick? Because you know, I you know what I think about Jack Conklin. Yeah. I think you could argue he's the best run-blocking uh -huh. tackle in football. Certainly the best yes. right yes. tackle run-blocking yes. right tackle. I just redundant there. You get what I'm saying. Yes. I think he leaves a lot to be desired in the pass game. Okay. Now, we've talked about this a lot before on the show, right? Do you trust the Browns to, oh, Manchester United, go 1-0 Red Devils. Do you trust Do you trust the Cleveland Browns? Tony Marshall came from France. English press said he had no chance. 50 million down the drain. Tony Marshall scores again with Jack Tumble, Conklin Tumble, in the Browns. I wish y'all could just see how hype West this guy. He got his Man U jersey on. He was going crazy in here. Oh, what a goat. Tony Marshall what poaches in one in the, the box. World. That's my favorite Frenchman. <laughs> but anyways, help, we're bro. talking about American football you here. Need help. Jack Conklin. What in the world? <laughs> Jack Conklin, Arthur Motes. Again, from a, a, a run blocking standpoint is the fantastic. Best, yes. Yeah, pass blocking a little bit to be desired. Fair enough. We've talked about this. 
are the Browns really going to trust that offensive line and put the ball, like they should, put the ball in the hands of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? I would. I would too. But when you've got and Baker he, and you've got OBJ I mean, bring and you've got Jedrick Wills, I mean, Landry, dude, like, right. And, and they're you, built to run the ball. They're built to run the, ball, to run the ball. But they go out and they get Austin Hooper and Joku's still a first round draft pick on his rookie deal. There's just a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. I'm also worried about this too. I, I think Jedrick Wills is going to be a very good offensive lineman in the NFL, but he only played the right side in college. Yes, and so he's going to make the flip to the left side. What, yeah, with him and Conklin, how does that work out? Hey, Joel Batonio is one of the best, most underrated guards yes, without a doubt. in the NFL. I Again, I think they are much – but you add Conklin, you add Willis. And J.C. Treader is still a good guy, too. J.C. Treader is still good. You got you got Mother Hubbard as a backup, you know, with some depth there. And I was going to say, I like, I think that's why my perspective for the Browns' offensive line changes. Mother Hubbard as the starting right tackle or starting left tackle, I don't feel as confident. Like, he can ball without a doubt, but he struggles a little bit. You know what I mean? When you're you're talking about him being the main guy throughout the duration. Now, when you're taking him and putting him as your sixth guy, your swing tackle, that's a major upgrade now. That's my thought process with that. And you know, okay, he can come in and play that if he needs to, but I just don't like him there, you know, 60-plus snaps every game. I concur. So, with all that in mind, I'm going 1A Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. 1B Pittsburgh Steelers, third Cleveland Browns, and then a, and then a massive gap before oh, yeah, we get to this. Oh, it's a huge, sense. huge drop Before off. we get to this. And, and to be fair to them, right, the addition of Jonah Williams on that left side, right, their first-round pick from 2019 who had to take, like, a medical red shirt last year, that could really help. But even if listen, he man. even if he comes in and is a great listen, anchor man. on the on the left side if of that Bobby line, Bobby Hart is your starting right tackle. Yeah. Or if they go back to the well and bring back uh big big Dre. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. They I don't agree. have enough. I agree. I think they are clearly the fourth. Yeah, it's bad. So again, I go one A uh, Ravens, one B Steelers, thir- three Browns, and then a significant drop off four for Cincinnati. Arthur Motes, what say you? Unfortunately, we agree. Oh, as much as I want to put Pittsburgh in front of Baltimore, I just can't right now. So that's why they have to be one B, mainly because you're going to have two new. And when I say two new starting uh, offense linemen for the Steelers, I include Matt Filer as a new guy because he's going to a different position. He's never started at left guard over a 16 game season. It's true. We saw a one game sample size. It's true. And now you're also bringing in Zach Banner and Chooks Okorafor, who have pedigree, yes, but from an NFL standpoint, they haven't proven anything just yet. So there are a lot of uncertainties with that. Now with Baltimore, you you already hit on it with Yonder retiring. That does change a lot for them. Otherwise, I think it would be clear-cut that they were the number one offensive line. I agree. But, (laughs) I mean, dude, when you look at the guys that they have, like you said with Ronnie Stanley, bro, like, he's an animal. I don't think Steel- either Steelers fans and, and a lot of fans in the NFL in general don't realize how good he is, or I think a lot of Steelers fans just don't want to admit how good he is. Oh, he's an animal. When you and I did our all-NFL under-25 team, he, he was the starting he, left yes, tackle. Indeed. Like, easy. Like, we didn't even Not have to even think close. about it. Yeah. So that's my only thing, man. But like you said, you can't go wrong either way. And, and I think for Pittsburgh, it's more so the uncertainty of how the two new guys adapt because I love – what you have in Pouncey and DeCastro, I think I'm also looking for Al to take a step in the right direction, like bounce back in terms of his play this year because he definitely he took a step back last year. And 
I think that that could just be a one-year sample size in terms of, all right, a one-off. Sure. We saw it was a lot of things going on from a team standpoint that Absolutely. affected that offense, man. So I definitely anticipate him bouncing back as well. So in that regard, I do think that it's going to be a lot closer, and I do think that the Steelers, by the end of the season, once these questions are answered, mm-hmm. then I'm not even concerned about it. I would go Steelers at 1A. Right. right. I think so too, but just as it stands right now. People don't, I mean, hmm. listen, I understand we're in, in, we're in the black and gold. And I get we, it. we like to hit on the Ravens. But they do got a, a nice, nice roster. God, dog. They do. They do. Unfortunately. Which will make it all the better, right, when they lose the Chiefs in the playoffs this year. Yeah, when the Steelers upset them in the playoffs this year, right? Right? Come on, Patrick Mahomes. Can, <laughs> can Patrick Mahomes be like the, uh, like the LeBron James of the Eastern Conference? Mm. Can Patrick Mahomes keep the Ravens from winning Super Bowls all on his own? <laughs> because that, that would really endear Patrick Mahomes to us around these parts. But see, the only issue is if Mahomes is doing that, who else is in the AFC? Us. Well, that's a good point. We don't need that. But at least. We don't need that. Yeah, all right. We fine. don't need that. All right, fine. Yeah, you're no, right. No, nobody like LeBron in the East if you were in the East. That's true. This is unless, how it works. Unless, right, you're like the. Uh, cool. No. Orlando Celtics, Magic, no, and it magic, just doesn't matter no. in general. Yeah, yeah, all right. I'm saying right. the teams that are contenders. Right. You think the Sixers, the, the Raptors, the Raptors fired a coach of the year in the year he won coach of the year because of LeBron. Because of LeBron. I've never heard of that. You won coach of the year. and got fired in that same year. This is insane. How? <laughs> what? <laughs> that is insane. What? Just, just think about that. No, we don't want that. Come on, man. <clears throat> Oh, Rebecca tweets here. Just tuned in. Assume you are watching a game. Yes, Rebecca. We have the uh, the Manchester United game on Absolutely. in the studio. If you heard my chanting, it's offensive line day here on the program. We've talked about greatest in Steelers history. Just talked about the division there. Arthur Moch, you know, if people like Rebecca might have just been tuning in, they might have missed some of the show. That's okay. You know why? Why? Because there's a way that they can access every show every day on demand. I've heard of those things. Aren't they called like... Something with the P. Pod podcast. Podcast. Oh, I knew I heard of these things before. (laughs) If you want to catch today's show, every show we've ever done, archived on the pod at Steelers Blitz. I just said like it was a Twitter name. I was gonna say you want me to say at Search Steelers Blitz. Steelers Blitz. At Steelers Blitz. (laughs) Search Steelers Blitz wherever you get your podcast. That's where you'll find today's show and every show. And we thank you, obviously, for those of you that have subscribed, downloaded, those of you that are always rocking with us here inside the Electric Factory. Going to take our first break of the second hour on the other side. Ooh, second segment, hour number two on a Wednesday. Y'all know what that means. It's time for a little Best of the West. I went to the dentist this morning, right? And it got me to thinking, what are the worst regular appointments that we all have in life? Just We know we're going to have to do them, but we dread it. Mm -hmm. Moats and I will give you our top five when we return as well as get to your tweets. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Twice, you could wipe that grin. I know where you've been. It's all been a pack of lies. 
Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, having some fun on a Wednesday. Ooh, Arthur Motes playing DJ on this one. <laughs> Arthur Motes. Different. That, is, that song does hit different, especially when you're doing sports-related content. Yes, indeed. Like, there's just something about that. If you're not playing the air drums or you're not doing the Mike Tyson punch, mm-hmm. I mean, what really are you doing? I mean, you're hearing it, but I mean, you're listening to the song, but are you hearing it, though? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, you can listen to Phil Collins, but are you hearing yeah, Phil Collins? <laughs> Arthur Moat's little best of the West Wednesday here today. I floated this topic to you when we got in this morning, and you were digging it. Because I think it's something everybody can relate to. You know, a lot of times we do stuff about video games and TV shows and yes. movies. But not everybody's into video games and TV shows and movies. Correct. But everybody's got appointments in their life, regularly scheduled things that they just dread doing. And so that's where our best of the West lies today. I've got five for you, Arthur Motes, all right? Because I, I didn't need to complain that much and, and, and go that deep <laughs> to go ten deep here, all right? And just know that if you're anybody who works in any of these professions, we appreciate you. All right, this well, is all just a little bit of fun. You're essential. And I was going to say, too, um, just for context and everything like that, not saying that uh, this happens to be on my list, but could an appointment be like a neighborhood game night with neighbors that you really oh, don't yeah. really like and you just got to go because it's like a thing? I mean, that is an appointment, technically. Yeah. I mean, not saying I'm speaking for myself or from experience or anything like that. Just hypothetical, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arthur, so normally we start at the front, but, you know, you got to build up the anticipation for okay. a list like this. So I'm okay. going to start with number five. Regularly scheduled things that we all have, that we all do, that we dread. Number five for me is a haircut. Wow. Yeah, Arthur Motes. I wouldn't expect that from you. I know, but it's it's one of those things. And you know what? Actually, the lady who cut me up earlier in this week did a really good job. But I feel like when you have long hair, like, you know, like long kind of like wavy hair like yeah. I have, after you get it cut, for the first like week, you always look goofy. <laughs> right? Like, this is, you're going to laugh at me. <laughs> you're going to laugh at me because this is the most like Beverly Hills thing I've ever said in my life. But when I was in high school, I would wait till our breaks to get my hair cut. Wow. Because I didn't want to get my hair cut and have to go to the school the next day because I thought I looked so goofy. What? I know. True story. Jeez. I'd wait till like time, I'd wait till like fall break or Thanksgiving break or spring break or because I always thought for like the first five, six, seven days after getting my hair cut, I looked goofy. Number five. Is now a who's haircut. cutting your hair? Maybe you need a different uh, a different uh, barber. Uh, maybe. Jeez. I don't know. But see, Motsi, I've done like the the twenty dollar haircuts. Yeah. I've paid for like the sixty dollar haircuts. Jeez. I always thought that I looked goofy regardless. <laughs> so man, I, it's nothing like you, man. I want you to see me on the day I first get my cut when it's it. when it's fresh, fresh. That's the duality of man, baby. Yeah. Number four on my list, I think we can all agree on this one: an oil change. Mm, okay. And it's not necessarily most because of the oil change specifically. Mm-hmm. It's because every time you go for an oil change, nah, it's never just oil they change. They tell you the thirty-seven other things that are wrong Absolutely. with your car and that need fixed about your car. Absolutely. Right. So you always go there with like, oh, I'm gonna spend you know fifty, sixty, whatever bucks it is on my oil change, mm-hmm. and a hundred and fifty or a hundred sixty dollars later, you end up pulling out of there. Yes. Oil change comes in at number four. Number three. I don't know if it's the right term for this, but I think everybody will know what I'm talking about. Health insurance screening. Hmm. Okay, so if you're on, like, a company's health insurance, once a year you have to give blood and get screened so they can look at some of your vitals and, and, you know, they're Mm -hmm. paying to insure you. They need a report on your health. 
Moats, again, I'm not, I know that these things are important, but why, why, why I dread it is because high cholesterol runs in my family. Ah, all right. And I love to eat fried foods. Okay. So okay. I'm sure as you can guess, I, even though I'm in my late 20s, already have high cholesterol. So I have to get the, you know, I have to get the sermon from the person who's, yeah. you know, they give me, they draw your blood and they do the results and they tell you, well, you should really eat more fish and you should really cut back on the fried food. And Let's go. Again, okay, they're okay. correct. They're okay. correct. But I just don't want to hear it. Number two on the list is what I did this morning, a dentist appointment. Now, I'll mind you with this, Arthur Motes. I'm, I think I'm very unique in this category. Knock on wood here. Never had a cavity in my life. Ooh, major shout out. I've okay. never had a cavity in my life. I had, a t- I had a lot of acne when I was a teenager. Okay. And my mom used to always joke that, you know, the good Lord gave me such good teeth mm-hmm. that he had to give me acne to keep me humble. Okay, because okay. Because I just never, you know, all my friends with cavities and fillings, yeah. I never had that problem. Okay, I like Even it. Even if I was only, you know, and like I'd miss nights brushing my teeth like yeah. every kid would. Okay. I still never had any problems. I still haven't with my teeth. Yeah. But it's like getting your mouth pulled apart and your gums get kind of <laughs> sore and your lips get all chapped. You know what oh, I mean? What? <laughs> I just, you know, again, I know the dentist, I'm there every six months. Uh-huh. It's a very essential function. I want my teeth, my mouth to be good. Yeah. yeah. But I, I still dread it in its, own num- in its own unique way. And number one here, Arthur Motes, there's no doubt about this to me. It's my week- weekly, it's my yearly tax appointment. Wow! With our accountant. Now, this might be another one that's a head-scratcher for some people. You're like, what are you talking about? You go, you do your taxes, you get money back. Arthur Motes, you know this about me. The audience Yo. might not know this about me. Your boy's a little bit of a day trader. All right? I play, I play the stock market, and over the last <laughs> three years, I have made, to different degrees, money in the stock market. Yes. So I have actually owed money at yes. tax time because of my... Because of my dividend, or you know, I, I don't know right, what the right, exact right. term is, but because, capital gains—that's mm-hmm. the exact term. Because of my capital gains, I have to pay taxes on my capital gains. Yes. So for three straight years now, normally when I used to go to my tax appointments and I'd get a couple hundred dollars back or uh-huh. something like that, now I owe a couple thousand dollars Best usually. Buddy. And so, hey, I'm doing good things financially in the stock that market, but I'm getting funny. drilled for it on tax day. <laughs> so number one by far, regular appointment that I dread is that one that comes uh, late February, early March every year I like it. with my accountant. So real quick recap from the back, <laughs> Yo, five, five to one, haircut number five, oil change number four, insurance health screening number three, the dentist number two, and tax appointment with my accountant number one. Arthur Motes, what say you? I promise you, you look at my list. I, I don't want to hear. <laughs> You're not going to tell me you don't have a camera or we not screen sharing or something because – Every time we come in here, we make lists. Every time, faithfully, every time. 70, 80% of my list is on your list. <laughs> so to no, start so it you, out, so man. You can tell we've been doing this for a little while this is crazy. now. This is crazy. So to start it out, my number five thing that I hate the most is when I got to go meet with my trainer for my, you know, quarterly. Sometimes we do monthly. I push back to quarterly now. Body composition reports. Ooh. When I was playing, you know, I used to be, I couldn't wait to hop on that scale. <laughs> Tell me why I'm at single digit body fat, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking lean, I'm this, I'm that, and all these other good things. But since I've been retired, I've been enjoying the retired life. Oh, yeah. I've been enjoying my space. As you should. You know what I'm saying? And now when I go in there, it's always a, oh, God, how bad is it today? Oh, man. And just that initial when you see the number just keep going and you're like, all right, is it going to stop yet? Oh, is it going? Oh. And then it like act like it's going to stop. And then it just adds one more at the end for good measures. 
Yeah, and then you gotta have that sit down, that awkward, uncomfortable talk. Yeah, yeah, yo, you know, this has been going on, so that might have been the reason why. Yeah, I hate it. I don't like it at all. So that's why it's number five on my list. I like it. Number four. We said the same thing, just worded it differently. So you talked about the health screenings. I always consider that like back to school shots or like annually, like I got to get my immunizations and my checkups and things like that. I hate it because Mm -hmm. number one, I hate getting shots. But number two, like you said, man, I hate having to go to the doctor. And if there's any history, oh, your family has a history of this. All right, well, let, now we got to check you next make sure this is good. All right, we got to do that. All right, well, what have you been doing? What's your lifestyle like? Yeah, I work out. I work out mm-hmm. all the time. All right, I got you. What's oh, what about like? this? What are you eating? What are you drinking, how man? Look, man. How often you having alcohol? Like, like, I hate it. I'm like, look, man, I drink. Yes, because when I played, I didn't drink. So, yes, I do drink now. I do eat this now. I don't care. So, it's always that I whole. I might even have a cigar from time to time. You know what I mean? So, just that whole. Me having to explain to them that back and forth when at the end of the day, I'm living a healthy lifestyle, leave me alone. Because at the end of that's what you're going to tell me anyways. <laughs> they say, well, you're still doing good, Mr. Mozart. Just, you know, check on these things. Keep on. I don't want to keep on that. I don't want to do what I want to do. Like, let me know. Period. All right. So I hate doing it. But it's mandatory. You got to do it. Okay. <laughs> Number three, you called it an oil, a oil change. I called it car inspection. Car inspection. Yeah. <laughs> because faithfully, I bring my car in there. And I was a little jealous. You talking about a couple hundred dollars. Cool. Now, you're right. That was an underestimate. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more than that. Usually. And, and, and depending on the style of vehicle you drive, yeah, mm-hmm. it gets a little costly. So, what? hey, what you guys didn't might not have picked up on there was the Arthur Motes saying that he drives we're a not, more expensive We're not going there. We're not saying who. We just simply <laughs> said. big house we on just the simply, fancy side of town. <laughs> we just simply said. For some people, depending on the type of car you drive, it could add a lot more money to these uh repairs sure. and these uh maintenance like issues because sure. they hit you with this hey is the car drive well yeah the car is fine but they say hey mr most the same way you always work out right and you know if you work out you take care of your body your body gonna take care of you it lasts for mm-hmm. a longer time and op- operates at a prime mm-hmm. position things like that same with your car mm-hmm. so even though you don't need to do this right now we strongly recommend you doing that so how much is it well it's gonna be this. like oh my god what 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 hold what? on a second is that it? Well, and actually, if you're going to do this, you should do that because you got to do those together to keep them on the same page. You're like, oh, gosh. Before you know it, you're walking out of there like, man, <laughs> this is rough. Did I really just spend that much money? And real quick, too, you know, what's, you know what stinks for me in that conversation mm. is, so I have a younger sister who's 16. Yeah. And then my wife, I have two brother-in-laws who are 17 and 15. Okay. So they're all in that, they're, they're going to be sophomore, junior, and senior in high school yes. next year. I've said to my wife, Morgan, a lot of times, uh, my SUV has close to 90,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. I've said to her, like, I'd like to drive that for another year or two and then yeah. give it to one of our siblings. Right, right. You know what I mean? It'd be a good first car for yes. them to have. Nice, reliable Toyota SUV. I've taken care of it. It's been parked in a garage for the last four years. Got a lot of West Virginia uh, decals and, and <laughs> memorabilia just, on just, it. Just one. Just one. It seems like a lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now my wife guilt trips me when I don't want to pay for that stuff. She's like, well, don't you want to give this to, to, to the boys oh, or to, to your sister one day? Oh, and I'm like, man. Oh, you're right. And I don't want this thing breaking down on nah, them. Nah, so, okay, can. I'll pay the extra couple hundred dollars to get this thing done Jeez. that I've never heard of before. It's the worst, bro. It's the worst. It's the worst. So that's why car inspection is at number three. At number two, identical here, dentist. <laughs> but now it's funny. You say you don't, you've never had cavities. I've never had cavities until I got until like my late 20s. Okay. But I never so had I should it. watch myself is what you're telling me. Well, it just came out the blue for me. But the thing that's weird is this. You talked about how your mouth gets sore, your gums and all that stuff. 
I never had because I floss like all the time. Hmm. So literally going to the well, dentist. For you. Stop it. But literally going to the dentist for them to like do the floss. I'm like, all right, I do this. Like, so my gums don't swell up. My gums don't bleed. My mouth doesn't hurt. If anything, <laughs> the, the biggest issue I have is trying to talk to the dentist. While and this, I hate that part, right? Because it's like I want to talk They're to you. They're trying to make small talk with you, but it's like you got my mouth open with these tools. Like it's awkward, yeah. you know what I mean? It's I can't haircut. All right, yeah, I, 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 like it's, it's that whole vibe. But since I've had a couple of cavities now, I hate when I got to go back for the cavity follow up, and they hit you with the needle. You never want to have hit a you with that. Oh, I hate. And, and this thing, the first part of the appointment is cool. When you with the with the the, the chick that's cleaning the your, technician, the, the technician, yeah. yeah, it's when the when the head doctor come in, cause the technician, I'm like technician, if you would have saw, you would have said something to me. Mm-hmm. Technician ain't seen nothing. Doctor come mm-hmm. in, dentist come in, she's like, well, I see something forming right here. It's not technically a cavity, but it's cavity ish. It's getting there, you know. So we might as well just be proactive. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? it's cavity light. You know what I mean? What you mean? What you mean? It's not there, but you you want to get it out the way now? Like, why, why, why can't I just wait? It, it might go away, right? <laughs> so I hate that element of it, man. It's the worst. And then number one, a hundred thousand million percent agree with you on <laughs> CPA tax prep oh. because I, I listen. In college, I never had to worry about taxes, and I would always hear about like the people that had left college. Some of my, my parents, uncles, aunts, they would always love taxis. Oh, man, I got my tax return check coming back. Oh, we finna go do this. I got the tax return check. So I'm like, okay, I get to my first year in the league, and I'm like, oh, I filed my time. Like, okay, yeah, this is great. Everybody talks about that tax return check. I'm like, yo, mine's going to be crazy because I got a dope job. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I know they don't got no money, so mine's going to be out of this world. And then it was out of this world. All right, yeah, it was out of this world. In the wrong world, though. <laughs> I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Who is this Uncle Sam guy? You line him up, we fighting because he just robbed me, whoever this guy is. Mm-hmm. How can I owe you this much money? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just that year. It's been multiple years. Mm-hmm. It's to the point where you have to do a thousand things to stay on the front side of the tax situation. So that way you can just come out and have, oh, hey, babe, we're in the plus for two grand. Woo-hoo! We did it. It's a nightmare. So without a doubt, man. Tax prep CPA hollering at them is the number one thing oh. I hate the most. Oh. So to recap, my fifth thing was going to see my trainer when it was time for to do the body comp. Mm-hmm. Hate doing that. Number four, the back to school shot slash immunization slash health exams, mm-hmm. annual things for the for the insurance purposes. Number three, car inspection because it's never just an inspection. It's always going to be well. You got this. You got that. You, you may want to check this. Oh, and by the way, you know it's ten grand later. It's crazy. Then at number two, dentist. Especially the follow-up. The follow-up. The follow-up. You the never word. want the follow-up. I don't want the any follow-up. Health, any health-related, you know, like. follow-up. No, 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 no follow-up. never want I don't want the follow-up. No follow-up. No, no, no. Keep that to yourself. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And then number one was the CPA going to see the tax prep, man, because I know it's never good news. Now, I'm hoping that my fortune could potentially change now that I'm retired. Hmm. I'm hoping so. But hmm. this first year of retirement, it wasn't any different. It still was rough. My fortunes still aren't going to change anytime soon because I'm only getting more and more into the stock market. Yeah. It, it was still rough. I, I thought I was going to have something sweet come around this time of year, and I was like, ah, kind of rough. Yeah. Like three, four years ago, I learned about the term capital gains. Yeah. And I've hated it ever since. The only thing that I love that I've learned since then was right off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right off is your friend. Yes. That's what you need. Where are you right off? Please. 
I am looking for you, your brother, and your sister. The whole family. Bro. Help me, please. <laughs> oh, all right, Power Grid. Oh, Everything man. is on the table now. Best offensive lineman in Pittsburgh Steelers history. Best units in the AFC North. And, of course, just regular appointments, regular scheduled things that we all have that you absolutely dread. Last chance. Speak now or hold your peace for the next 22 hours. Get those tweets in. At Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. We'll wrap up the show on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show here as we always do with your tweets. Let's get right into it. Gregory says, great stuff, guys. Yesterday's show was lit. I'm hungry. What's to eat today? Mmm. I like it. Ooh, Arthur Motes. I tell you what. So I'm not going anywhere after this. I'm uh, filling in for Adam Crowley tonight on ESPN Pittsburgh from 4 to 7 here in the same building. Motes will join me around 4.15 if you mm-hmm. want a little more Electric Factory. So I'm going to uh, run out and get some food after this. Ooh. I don't know. I'm thinking some fast food, obviously. It's a Burger King around the corner now that I know. There is a Burger King around not, not the corner. Speaking from experience, there's also like a Wendy's that. around the corner. Ooh, right, spicy chicken, Olive spicy Garden. chicken sandwich. You got options. You we got do have options. options, but yeah, Gregory, what's to eat today? I'm gonna get some fast food when I get out of here. Uh, so that's nothing fancy. I, you know, not usually I got all ribs or pork shoulder <laughs> or chicken. Or... Oh, you about to sing again? Tony Marshall scores again. <laughs> Two nil red. Right before the half. Yeah, nothing fancy uh, on the smoker today or anything. You know, I always have to like wait because there's no fans there, so I can't tell, like, you know, like a fan reaction not there. I got no sound on. Oh, baby, 2 0 Red Devils. We're, fi- we're, this is just a top Wednesday, Arthur Motes. Our buddy Thrash says, uh, he gets my haircut thing. He says, I echo the long hair issues so bad I get it cut once a year because of that. It's just a goofy, wavy hair thing, Motes, you know? That's pretty funny. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm new to this thing, man. I had no clue, bro. Thr- I had no clue. Thrash also says, Motsy while Wes is cheering about soccer and puts the, this is fine, <laughs> the dog in the, with the yeah. house on fire <laughs> gif. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Don Juan wants you to know, uh, happy anniversary to you and the missus. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Nine years in the thing, you know what I'm saying? Going strong, going long, baby. <laughs> Mrs. Da Body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, Adam Crowley rep- reprised the dad body on, oh, he on did? Monday's he did? show. You'll be happy to know. Dad. Yeah, the, the dad body, body was, was alive and well. <laughs> uh, Don Juan also says, come on, where's Wolf? You can't just have Tunch and no Wolf. You're right. They, they, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, man. Peas and carrots. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's malpractice on us. Maybe just for the spot that we had Tunch. We'll say Tunch and Wolf. How yes, about that? They, they go together. <laughs> um, we got a bunch of tweets here um, about offensive linemen. Before so, though, last one here kind of differently related. Jason asks, he says, man, Motes is really good with this, this history. The James Madison offer an NFL Steelers ancient history class. 
No, man. Come on. That's just the power of Google, right, hey, baby? Hey, man. Hey, a little Google here, a little Google there. A little Google anyway. Let's get it. All right. Let's get into all of these, right? Thrash, he said Dermani Dawson has to be number one, right? Come on, Mozi. I'm counting on you to set it straight. <laughs> we both gave mad love to, to Dermani no, Dawson. Hey. Uh, but I just, if we're talking, and if you want to talk again, if we, if, it, if we were just having a pure talent conversation, correct? I think you could definitely argue Dermani number one, certainly. But I think also the history and everything associated with Mike Webster, man, I feel it, like it just, that, that gets the nod for me. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, I think, what we talked about with Jack Lambert, like similar yes, along those yes. lines. There's just some stuff there that you can't replace, uh, which is funny because as soon as Thrash sent that tweet, David said, this one's easy money, Mike Webster. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even close. That's what they say, right? Third Coast Steeler, our new buddy from Texas, the best offensive lineman in Steelers history is Dermani Dawson. I mean, no disrespect to Webby or Fanica, but Dawson was simply amazing. He had the size, the strength, and the athletic ability Watching him pull was like, whoa. <laughs> you know what? I like that. I'm going to use that because you're right. right. Watching him pull as a center was like, whoa. It jumped off the screen at you. Hey, I, I thought he was Black Robin for a second. Like, whoa. Now, TC, right, he's our historian on a lot of these yes, things. He's, he is. I'm not going to give his age, but he's older than both of us. He's seasoned. <laughs> um, he says, man, this is a tough one today. Webster, Fanica, obviously, Dermani Dawson, top three for sure. He said... Now, was Jermani Dawson's nickname Dirt? Is that something that you knew? Because he calls him Dirt that. here a couple times. Maybe that's a... Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a cool nickname. That kind of fits with Dermani Dawson, Dirt. I guess it works. Because I'm thinking to myself, we had a call on defense called Dirt, and it was 63. Oh. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Uh, TC says the big feather in Dirt's cap is that he changed the way the position was played by getting out and pulling. 100%. That's the... That you're right. That is the the biggest feather in his cap, I think, aside from obviously just his in incredible ability you know on the what? field. That might be his nickname because Dude, we was that just a light bulb moment for you. Like because I never knew. Like they would say yeah, we're running dirt, 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 and I used to always be like, "Yo, who's dirt?" But I, of course, I tell you, I would never want to ask because I was new guy, so I just kind of rolled like dirt. All right, I knew the coverage was sixty three. Cover six if it's, you know, a pro set. Cover three if you got slot. I'm giving all the information away. Don't worry about it. Y'all ain't going to know what it means. No, no way. But now that I'm seeing Damani as number 63 and LeBeau was the one who came up with it, it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, maybe that was, that was his nickname, Dirt. You got to be. If you guys have ever seen uh, the movie mm -hmm. Despicable Me, that was Moats' yes. light bulb moment. Like, Wow. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Absolutely, man. I, I, I love dirt. That was an awesome call. TC also says, you got to hear this Kolb story. Uh, he lived in the same town that I do, and about 15, 20 years ago, his house caught on fire. Whoa. He bear hugged one of those old big screen TVs and carried it out Stop of the playing, house. playing, man. <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, for the world's strongest that, that, man. That's, that's a cold move, without for, a yeah. doubt. And just to let you know, when I was in college, we had one of those big old school, you know, big TVs, and it took like four of us to get that thing in the yeah. house. Cove, yeah, that, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> and the lit one, Rebecca, says, lit, lit, lit. Dermani Dawson, he's my guy for sure. Used to have that double D jersey, number 63. There we go, Motsi. We learned something today with the with the dirt call. <laughs> all right, all right. I like it. See, I'm happy now, man. Power grid teaching us lessons. I like it. I, I love like it. this. I love it. That'll do it for today's show, Arthur Motes. It's been a fun week. It definitely has, man. What are we doing tomorrow? What, what debate are we settling tomorrow? What do we still have? We didn't do Steel's all-time defense yet. Oh, yeah. Friday. And I like it because we've been going back and forth between yeah. offense and defense. Steelers all-time defense, man. Let's keep it going. Steelers all-time defenses will rank. That's going to be tough, too. I like it. Five units? Ten units? Five. 
five. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Five best defensive units in Steelers history. Who was the best of the 70s? Who was the best of the 2000s? Maybe all the defenses are in the 2000s. How about that? Hmm. It's all going to be the defenses that Arthur Motes played on. <laughs> all but one. <laughs> and then with that, with that, too, obviously, we will discuss uh, best defenses in the AFC North right now as well, too. We'll have a little three-question Thursday tomorrow. And our guy Brian Backo. Oh, man. Jam-packed man, day on the show tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll talk the yins then. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Me too. You know when to find us. Always. High noon and you know where. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steeler Nation Radio.